Welcome back to the Health on 10 podcast. I'm here with guest Angie Stastny, registered dietitian. She graduated from Northern Illinois a couple years ago. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, Angie? Today, she's going to, we're going to talk about the gut microbiome and its importance as well as its function. But first, I had a couple questions for Angie before we got rolling on that because I'm so interested in, uh, in her field and how she got started. So as a dietitian, what was the, how did you get started in nutrition? What age were you like, I love this? Eighth grade. Tell me about it. I read a book and it was called The Sugar Blues. And it's still out there today and it's still actually very relevant. And it just pretty much, um, I just realized the importance of nutrition and I just fell in love with it. And here I am, you know, more than two decades later and I'm still in love with nutrition what what's the is it a is it it's a nutrition book no it's just like yeah it's like a you know an informative book yeah somebody wrote so after that was it like was it this like awakening moment where you're like all right i'm gonna start eating really healthy yes start exercising yeah absolutely i mean i you know and back then healthy was not healthy yeah it was the low fat era where everyone was eating a lot of sugar honestly and so you know, I, I don't totally dove into it and always love to exercise and be active, but and it's yeah. interesting back then too. It's like, even now we see all these trends that go in and out. So like, what were some of the trends back then when you first started getting, getting into it, like in the health, like you said, the low fat was a big thing. Now we know like horrible, that <laughs> is so important. Yes. You even see diets that are, you know, just fat, right? which, you know, another episode but yeah is there any other like different trends that you saw back then like that have evolved can can you think of anything in particular oh gosh I mean nutrition in general was so underrated at that time and there was actually so I I still precept for NIU and I take their graduate students through a rotation and you know I was more or less telling people like this is not a good field to go into because you know, years ago, we you, there just was nothing, and now it's just such a wonderful time to be a dietitian. Yeah, and there's so much more we can do with the whole functional approach to things. Yeah, and I guess I guess it's going to be my next question before we dive into the gut. Is there a certain approach that you take or philosophy into nutrition that you have for all of your clients? Obviously, everybody's different, so you have to take slightly different approaches, but tell me a little bit about your philosophy and how you came up with that. Yeah. So there's a new field called functional medicine. It's probably been around for about 30, 35 years. Functional nutrition is an offshoot of that. So basically it's medicine using nutrition. So, um, I completely changed my approach because what I was finding is that people were coming to me and they're like, I'm gaining weight and I'm not doing anything. I didn't have an answer for them until I got into this new area mm-hmm. and started really getting additional education and credentialing and things like that. And then all of a sudden I had all the tools I needed. And so, you know, I'm always incorporating stress reduction, sleep, you know, helping them with that. Um, you know, different lifestyle modifications have to go with the nutrition. 
Yeah, absolutely. You have to, you, you, I mean, nutrition is, is really important. I would argue probably the most important when it comes to all of these things, but they all, they all come together as one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would put stress right up there, you know, when you, and that could be a whole nother episode too, but yeah, I just increase cortisol levels. Yeah. What that does to your body on so many different levels. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you graduated from Northern in what, what year did you graduate? (laughs) I'm not saying. (laughs) Okay. All right. But was it, tell me a little bit, I guess, about the program. Is it a four-year program? I think it's six years now. Now, it, they're just, I think in the last two years, they phased out. I went through a five-year program. Okay. So you did your bachelor's, but then you had to do um, an internship, and it's like 1,200 hours. Yeah. So it's about a year and a half okay. to get it all done. Yeah. Is What was the, what was the most difficult class? Because the reason that I didn't, go get into dietetics was I was like too worried it was going to be too hard. Like, you know, biochem and organic chem, that yeah. stuff was impossible. I had a hard time with biochem because, um, I was in a big class of like 300 people and I just didn't do well. Yeah. Those, those big class, especially, you know, in, in, uh, those lecture halls. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. hard. So I, I think, done. you know, some of it's just your setting and being in the right setting. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to have you here on the podcast. You're my first guest and I'm, I'm expecting you're going to teach me a lot of information. We both, you know, we speak the same language, but you have, you have more education, much more experience. So I wanted to dive into the gut microbiome. And when I first met you, I think we even had like a three minute conversation about this Yeah. because it was like immediately, Oh my God. Like I'm, yeah, we're just immediately attached. Like it was this, this cool thing. Whenever anybody's super interested in nutrition like that, I'm just like, so, so excited. But the gut microbiome, it's hasn't, it's in the last like 10 to 20 years really that we've been diving into it and been able to understand its importance, right? Has it been longer than that? Yeah, I think it started in 1990 when they started like doing, but I think 2001 is when some of the big um, organizations developed that actually dove in. And so there's still so much that they don't know about it. Yeah. And we're learning, which is so exciting. Yeah. Because, you know, gut health has been linked to, you know, or lack thereof. Um, has been linked with almost every disease and is really the root of most inflammatory processes that go on in the body. Yeah. So when you look at um, anything from uh, 80 or like autism or Alzheimer's disease, cancer, um, you know, heart disease, and all of these things are really uh, have a root in the gut. And a lot of those are like neurological issues, mm-hmm. right? So uh, like we talked before, and a lot of the a lot of our neurotransmitters are, are created in the gut yes. from what we eat. Things like tryptophan. Um, where what foods can you find? What foods have tryptophan? Well, like turkey, turkey, yeah, you know, seeds, protein. things like that, yeah. right? And yeah. then tryptophan is a, a precursor for serotonin, which you need serotonin to also make melatonin. So, you know, if you're not getting proper if you're not getting tryptophan in your diet properly, uh, serotonin, I guess I should 
let you guys know what that is. That is our, that is basically what they call the happy chemical in the brain. Anytime you feel any sort of joy, I guess you could say it's neuro, it's the neurotransmitter serotonin firing in the brain. And if you don't have, if you're not able to convert tryptophan to serotonin because you're not, you don't have enough tryptophan in your diet, you're going to lack that neurotransmitter to feel that joy, which is just, it's, it's crazy to get into the science of that. Yeah. But yeah, just really focusing on, uh, I guess we kind of went on a tangent there, but different foods in the diet. And so I guess before we, we move forward with this, what are some foods that are really good for the gut microbiome? Oh, that's a good question. So Fiber is one of the most important things because um, they live on fiber. A lot of the healthy bacteria, now the unhealthy or harmful bacteria that also coexist in there, um, sometimes they take over the neighborhood, and that's when you end up with a lot of problems yeah. with digestion. And, um, and uh, you know, you'll hear about people that get C. diff, right, and they end up in the hospital. Uh, so that's that's a bad bacteria. C diff. Yeah. Is that is C difficile? C, is is it like SIBO? Nope. It's a I, it's a type of bacteria that you know people can get, and you see it in the elderly, but now you're you're seeing it in younger people. Okay. Um, and that so that's a harmful bacteria that basically takes over and causes severe digestive problems and diarrhea and things like that. And this is because of the lack of fiber. Well, it's. Fiber is an important part of keeping of the, the, the good guys strong. Right. So fiber fermented foods, right, like uh, kimchi and sauerkraut um, and things like kefir. Yeah. And fermented dairy. Yeah. Um, you know, like yogurt. Those are things that help keep the microbiome strong. And it was indole 3 lactate. Is that what it's called? Indole, have you heard that before? Yeah. Indole 3. Yeah. So those are those are what are uh, that's what uh, fermented foods are high in, and then it converts to antioxidants in the body. Uh, fermented foods, yeah, like you said, and some people even think, oh, milk, I'm lactose intolerant. The nice thing about kefir is that bacteria, it, it eats off of the lactic, yeah. the lactic yes. acid. So if you are lactose intolerant, you can have kefir and you're just fine. Yes, my daughter has problems with dairy, but she can tolerate the kefir. The kefir, yeah, and it's such a really good for you. What are some foods that are harmful to the gut? Sugar, alcohol, um, in large amounts. I wouldn't say necessarily in small amounts. Um, any kind of very simple uh, carbohydrate. Even, you know, I would say even like white breads and things like that. Yeah. Um, artificial sweeteners and, and food additives. Uh, there's so much research coming out about that. Mm -hmm. um, so those things don't have any benefit. They don't have any way to fuel those bacteria. They, they live on, on different elements that are in our food. Right. Polyphenols yeah. is a big part. And that comes from fruits and vegetables, legumes. Yeah and things like that. So if you're, if you're not putting those things into your body, but here's the other thing, and this is one thing that I frequently have to start with, on, with people when I work with them, is just digestive health. Are they breaking down their food? Are they having bowel movements? Are they bloated? You know, if you're bloated all the time, that's a problem. You know, if you're gassy and, and if there's foods you can't tolerate, those are things we have to start with as a foundation and get through that, figure out what's going on. 
And when we do that and people actually start getting fuel from the food that they're eating, I, you see that just like what you were saying about the mood, you see them change. And it's so cool to see because they will be like starting making decisions and they're starting to, you know, they're no longer zombies. They're, they're really starting to wake up and, and feel, feel that vibrancy. And it's, it's really neat to see. I love it. What do you think about probiotic supplements compared to like fermented foods? Is yeah, there, you there can't. So there, there are only seven strains of, um, of probiotics that have really been studied. Lactobacillus. Yeah. That, yeah. And I mean, you're never going to be able to yeah. get. So there's microbes in the soil. And those are actually part of what strengthens our microbiome. So when we eat raw vegetables, we're getting those microorganisms. Mm -hmm. And so now there's this whole other area of spore-based probiotics, which really aren't probiotics. They're like spores from the soil. Oh, okay. And that, that's like a whole new field. And there's a lot of really exciting things being developed in that area as well. So... I don't, I'm not against probiotics, and I do use them in my practice because if you're trying to get someone back out of a bad place, um, then they may need to recolonize, right? Like they may, have, they may have wiped it out with antibiotics or, you know, with some kind of trauma. And that's another thing we can talk that's, about is yeah. that bidirectional pathway between the brain and the gut and how much, um, how many times have I identified one traumatic event that actually started an illness. Explain. So they got in a car accident or they something traumatic. They lost someone in their family or, you know, but we can uh, frequently trace it back to an event. So now they've got this trauma, right? And that slows down digestion. Because they're feeling that trauma, yeah. Like the, you said, so yeah. Our brain, like so, when you about. when you engage the the parasym the sympathetic nervous system, right? Yeah. The fight or flight side that stops digestion. Mm -hmm. So if they're always thinking about this horrible thing that happened to them, or they're really stressed out, that slows down digestion, and that causes you to not secrete the right amount of. Um, acid in your stomach and it, it throws off your whole digestive system. We could go on for a year. It's interesting that. too that you say that because uh, I've, I've recently gone through like a stressful time and I'm not hungry. Yeah. I don't eat. Yep. I'm not like I'm it was so super interesting there. Like the gut and the brain are just so connected and you feel that yeah. pit in your stomach. Yeah. So it's the brain talking to the gut. Yeah. And too much of that, that stress yes. is, is harmful to that good bacteria. Yes. Yes. Which, yeah, that's, that's, so it can really kill cool. off it can kill off bacteria that you may never really be able to get back. Talk you know, about sometimes that. you're you know, so they say that like there's strains of bacteria that we've lost. And you can't forever, get it back. You know? So you you started out with, with bacteria and that's your what they call heritage strains, right? Like that's that came from your your family. So that's and then, you know, as you go through your life, it's it's going to develop different things depending on what you're exposed to, what, what your diet's like, what your stress is like, all these different things, right? So in, in the early years of your life, you're really developing your whole ecosystem. And what I've found is that 
you know, when you lose some of these bacteria, like you just said, you can never get some of them back. You can, you can kind of get some of those bacteria back, but some of those they're gone forever. And one, one of the two of the things that are that kill off the gut, one of them being antibiotics, like yeah. you said, but also like different, uh, like hand sanitizer. Oh yeah. How do you feel about that? Is yeah, that- chemicals, environmental chemicals is a big part of what functional medicine focuses on all the new research about how these things, plastic. So they even have shown that people with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, they have more plastic going through their digestive tract. So what's going on with that? You know, there's just all these things. But yeah, um, so I would say that's another area that I really focus on is cleaning up your environment. Okay, so your environment, that's a big word. It's what you're exposed to, your household chemicals, uh, what you're eating, what is your food, you know, try to go towards one ingredient foods, right? Like you can read, you know, take it from the farm, take it from the farm. (laughs) Yeah, you're reading like sacro yeah. like it's like okay run, you don't know what that is run away. Yeah, let's, yes you know. um you know and then you're you know what's it like what's going on in your life is there ways you can reduce your stress and then this is something that i think you'll like too is like the vagus nerve has tone to it so the vagus nerve yeah, is that main right. nerve right yeah. that connects our brain with our gut and for some people that tone is lost and one good way to get it back is like yoga, deep breathing, um, mindfulness, mindfulness, meditation. meditation, you know, just periods of, of rest and quiet. So, you know, those are things that I'll work with on, uh, you know, with people too. So there's, there's all kinds of different strategies you can use. And when you put it all together, even though it's like very small amounts, like maybe I'm just going to tell you, hey, 10 minutes a day, I want you to do X, Y, Z. But when you, the cumulative effect. And so, you know, with the diet, it's never, it's never the same for any one person. Mm-hmm. It's always different. So low FODMAP, you know, that those are different sugars that people can't break down and, and you know, fibers. So on your one podcast about vegetarianism, Veganism, Vegan, yes. Okay, yeah. veganism. Um, you know, s- some people go vegan and then they have all this gut, a yeah. lot of gut problems because they're not ready for it. It's so dramatic. That is such a Okay, you go from – a lot of people change their diet from – it's heavily processed. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to try a weight loss diet. And then they go from that to vegan, which is if you're doing it right, it's not, not a lot of processed foods unless you're doing all those Beyond Meats, which I hate. But yeah, they'll go from heavily processed to high fibrous foods. Yeah, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a, no one's gonna want to be around you first of all. And I I have so many people that were vegan, and you know especially young women. Uh, and you combine that with birth control, and that can be a whole other episode too. But it yeah. really, the two of them together, it it can cause problems because the pill can cause a lot of intestinal inflammation okay. and then they make the major diet changes and they've already got deficiencies. So it's a good thing. And you can, I can help people get th- past that. Yeah. And if they want to be vegan, but they have to understand, you know, kind of got to clean things up a little bit before you do that. Well, and like one thing I tell my clients who I've had some clients with horrible diets and that's why they're coming to me. Right. And exercise. But 
that I want to get them to eat more vegetables. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's just start with one serving a day. Let's not change your entire diet. Right. Let's just don't worry. Eat whatever you ate yesterday. Just add a serving of broccoli. I'm not even going to drastically change your diet yet because I just want to see these small changes just a little bit. Cause what I've noticed too, and like from, from working with people with their diet is if I give them this whole drastic change or a meal plan, they can stick to it for maybe a week, two weeks, and then it's over. So it's like giving them all this stuff is too much. It's too overwhelming. Even if they're so motivated to do it at that moment, it's the slow trickle in effect of, okay, we're going to add maybe a couple more servings of fruit here. We're going to add, you know, a couple more servings of vegetables. We're going to start to take out a couple sodas, like something like that. Instead of just totally showering them with, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Totally. That is so perfect. It's, it's great. Uh, that's great that you're doing that. Cause you know, we, we tend to just jump from one thing to an, another. Yeah. Remember I told you the average person, tries 126 diets in their lifetime okay we're a little bit crazy (laughs) and you know it's like uh, and getting back to the gut microbiome that uh, is you're constantly modifying it then and and some of it's good but you know we just live in a society now where we have access to foods that maybe we were never exposed to in previous generations and so our body has to get a acclimated to that and is this true that you, the gut changes within 24 hours i mean yeah it, you're pretty it's always changing it's literally it. always changing and they say now that even there's studies that the people you're around and you're actually your gut microbiome is changing based on their gut bacteria interesting so your your spouse or your girlfriend yeah, or whatever if right and if you're around them a lot it, it you're actually being exposed to changes there too. And that's why when people travel, part of it is because, you know, you go to a foreign country and maybe you get sick. Some of it's because you're, you're not equipped to handle some of the things that are in the environment. Yeah. So as far as like the people you're on, if they're having some sort of issue with the gut, it could be, it could totally translate to you. It could be, you could pick that up. Is that it's like very raw data, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, and maybe you're going to affect them positively. Yeah. Or yeah. Positive or negative, you know? You know? Yeah. So tell me, tell me, tell me some of your favorite, like, how do you feel about kombucha? I love it. You love kombucha. Did you have you made your own? kombucha? That's kind of a test that I do on people because if they can't, some people will just belch like crazy when yeah. they drink it. And it's not just the carbonation. It's really tells a lot about how strong the gut microbiome is. And I see a lot of people that have uh, autoimmune and things like that. And they're like, I can't even drink that stuff. Really? Like they'll just get very gassy. Yeah. They get super gassy and they belch. They said, Oh my gosh, I'm drinking. It's like I'm drinking beer or something. So, (laughs) you know, that's kind of interesting, but yes, I, you know, I, I, and I, and for people like that, it's like, okay, let's start out really slow. You don't need eight ounces of it. Just, you know, and even, even, you know, so no, I have never made my own kombucha, but I have, I went on a binge where I was making, I was fermenting everything 
my husband was getting kind of scared. <laughs> like just <laughs> lacto fermentation. Yeah, I was just you know with salt. Yeah. And you know, and so uh, I did sauerkraut and all kinds of vegetables. I made my own jardinier. Um, you know, just it was really fun. I was making my own yogurt. I was getting raw milk from um, a place in in Geneva, and boy, that that was amazing. Yeah. So can you overdo because last year almost at this time march uh i went on this huge kick with the gut i was doing so much research on it and i i was already drinking kombucha and i do fermented foods i like miso a lot uh but i was like okay i went a little overboard i didn't notice any problems but i'm curious if it could so i was drinking like a big thing of kefir every two days. I was having kombucha. I was eating kimchi, sauerkraut with all my meals. Like, is there a, is there a negative effect to having too much? Do you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So some people, again, um, one thing is um, histamines. And so mm, yes. th those are, you know, we make histamines as a response, you know, to a lot of times to like, um, you know, if people have allergies you know, you take an antihistamine, right? Benadryl. Right? right. So, so people that have allergies are overproducing histamines, right? And it's not just that you're overproducing them. There's certain gut bacteria that break down histamines. So that has to take place in the gut. So it could, you know, for some people, and, and so therefore some of these fermented foods can play into that and it can be too much for the body. So you really, you, you probably... And then you'll just have some digestive yeah, problems. Yeah, or yeah. some people will experience like more allergies and things like okay. that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, fortunately I didn't experience anything bad, but I was like, this is probably, this is probably and a it, bit too it much. It can give people headaches. Yeah, really. Um, When I first started, uh, I, when I first tasted real kraut that's fermented and not the stuff in the bag that you see in the section at... Um, I actually have a partner, he's named Quinn, and he makes kraut, and that's what he does for a living, and so he sells it at nice. farmer's markets, so I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so fantastic on this kraut, but then I was eating a lot of it, and I was, and it did, it gave me a, a headache. Yeah. Have you seen that, what's that stuff at Jewel? Uh, it's by the kombucha, where the kimchi's at, do you know what I'm talking about? It's in like a, it's kind of like a fancier sauerkraut, it's in the, it's in the refrigerator aisle, the bag burps. It's like a, you know what I mean? Like it has a burper on it. Is mm. that stuff? No, good? I've, oh, I can't, I don't know what the, the one that's one I usually go with. Okay. Wild brine. I think it's called wild brine. Um, is a brand that I see. I think there's one called Bubba's or something, but I, I buy Quinn's. He's my guy. And, um, he brings it to my house. Uh, but yeah, you want it to be never you never want to heat it because then you're killing all yes. the good bacteria That's so that this type of kraut is the stuff that people made in cellars and they would have these big wooden barrels and and some people i know they actually experienced that like their family did that that's cool and you know they would just keep adding more cabbage to it salt cabbage salt and cabbage breaking it down and so the good bacteria again are coming from the soil and they're they're gobbling up all the sugar in the in the vegetables and they're they're keeping 
the harmful bacteria from growing. The mm-hmm. salt is part of that. Right. Yeah. And even uh, Korean and Asian cultures, you know what they do with kimchi? They bury it. Do you know that? They, they put it in this container and then they dig a hole in the ground and they bury the container that has the cabbage, the garlic, the ginger in the ground. I'm like, what is the reason for Probably that? because it's the temperature in their it country. It can be cool enough because it's Yeah, hot. it's got to yeah. be cool enough. Yeah. Because if it's warmer, like when I was on my, my um, fermenting... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, your binge. Yeah. My binge. <laughs> it's a good binge to be on. Yeah. Um, in the summer I noticed that my, my, it was going a lot faster. Mm-hmm. You know, it was making it ferment faster and you oh, don't the want warm that. Weather. Yeah. You want to slow. Yeah. So can that cause bad bacteria to grow? Cause it fast might not be bad if you wanted. I guess it's just not as controlled. Yeah. So you're not going to get a good result. As you would gotcha. if you keep it in a, you know, a below 70 degrees. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, and, you know, we talked about the mind, the mind-gut uh, relationship. A lot of things, and you're, you're so into the functional nutrition, but a lot of doctors will just go right away and they'll, they'll put them on antidepressants. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see more research and doctors t- take a different approach. Obviously, it's not as quick. You put somebody on a, a SSSR, SSR, SSRI, S- yeah, whatever it is. Though you'll notice it right away. But something with the gut, if you change their diet, so people that are depressed have probably pretty low dopamine and serotonin, right? Um, they probably would take a little bit longer. Have you seen any any more studies, or are you seeing this in the field more of people changing? their diet and seeing uh, a decrease in depression. Is that something that's going to increase in the future? Yes. There's a whole field of like nutritional psychiatry. Okay. It's a whole field that's emerging and it's going to take a long time. Um, There's no money in it. Yeah. That's the problem. It's, you know, it's, and people are very, they're so used to just taking a pill. It's immediate. And, And I'm not saying that you shouldn't take a pill if you need it. But what I'm saying is there are a lot of things, and that's an area, anxiety is an area that I work on with people. And again, creating a better connection between the gut and the brain, and again, going back to yoga and these, these lifestyle modifications and building up, you, you will see an association between, you know, the, these, um, these people, they all have digestive problems a lot of times. There's, there's a huge association there. Yeah, IBS, what's the most, SIBO. Yeah, you'll see that these people have those things too, yeah. many, many times. Yeah. So there's a connection there. And how, things like IBS and SIBO, those are those are fixable, right? Those yeah, SIBO's tough. SIBO's really tough. So that's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Yeah. And how does, how does, how does that happen? Basically, things start to migrate into the small intestines that shouldn't be there. Um, and Through that, poor diet. Yeah. Poor diet. Yep. Is a big factor. This wasn't, Stress. this isn't one of those things that's, this is, it's again, that's pretty fairly new. These, gut I bet problems. you, I, I'm going to make a bet that in 20 years, you're going to find out that like a good majority of people have SIBO to some extent. Really? Yeah. They're, and they're really correlating that with a lot of diseases too. SIBO? Yeah, just that that's kind of like a root to a lot of other problems.
problems. Well, and I don't know if we mentioned this because I kind of just jumped in quick, but the that's where the immune system, the, our gut is our immune system, essentially. Yes, that's yes. where, it, I mean, our immune system is, is in our gut bacteria. And you know, the gut is the brain, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say that the brain is second place to the gut because it, it literally coordinates your connection with your nervous system, your immune system, uh, the mitochondria, you know, the immune system gets these messages and, you know, from the gut, from the yeah. food we eat. So if you think, so here's a real good little tip for you. We eat 30 to 50 tons of food in our lifetime. That's a lot of chances to send your body good messages. It's, uh, yeah, it, like you know, and, and nutrition is really constant signaling. You know, when I teach people, these are the ways you talk to your body is by the food you eat. They, they like that because they're like, wow, I get to send some love to my body by, you know, just eating food. And then, you know, that, that causes the good bacteria to release different chemicals into the bloodstream. I think when you can correlate that too with, and same with you, I fell in love with this. It was actually eighth grade. I fell in love with it. Uh, it, but if you can correlate the way you eat to how you feel, because people are so obsessed with the mouth feel and the mouth taste, but it can all healthy food can taste great, but people want that, you know, that highly palatable food that doesn't do anything good for your body. If we can get to a place in our society where we can get people to associate good food to good health and how they feel after they eat it, I think that's a game changer. Yeah. And that's kind of intuitive eating mm -hmm. or mindful eating. It's yeah. just about being aware of, you know, getting back in touch with your body and listening to it, you know, and, and what, how do I feel and how much do I need to eat and all of these things that should be pretty basic. But like I was, we were talking about this the other day, we're disassociating from our own biology, right? We're looking at everything outside of us. I should be this and I should be, and I should do this and that. And you're giving away all your, your own intuition about what's right for you. Yeah. Right. Oh, because of all the diets out there. Yeah. Because of diets and social media yeah. and celebrities. Oh, this celebrity drinks pickle juice all day and you know, she looks great. And, you know, I mean, it's all an illusion, right? Like a lot of it's just an illusion. Well, they don't tell, tell you what else they're doing. Exactly. So they're, they're taking this certain thing. They're yeah. trying to sell something most times. Right. And it's like, yeah, they are doing that, but they're doing, probably not even doing that really. Yeah. You know, they're just trying to, you know, but even a lot of the models will admit that they're, they're smoking cigarettes. They're maybe doing they're other, Adderall all, all, all or other, har har yeah, they're, that... they're really harming their body to get that look. Yeah. It's not normal. It's not healthy. And yeah, we were and talking about that started in the 70s. 70s. The whole twiggy thing and people the super slim women are meant to be curvy. They're not yeah. meant to be to be able to to be able to Right? Carry like babies. they look good. Yeah. You know? And then you see, you know, just getting down to this like it's just another it's just, you know, it's disordered. I think I think we're really getting out of that though. Like yeah. as of late, I think it's more and then you start to, which is this, again, this maybe for another discussion, but the pendulum is swinging so far to the other side that you're seeing morbidly obese people on magazines, which again, 
we go from almost anorexic skinny to this, you know, yeah. body positive. And I think you should always, you know. I think it's good. To be body positive. Yeah, I think yeah, you Yeah, I, I, I mean. You're, you're not worth, your body isn't your worth. It's pretty really. cool. I think, you know, it's, but it's like, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, we'll leave that for another day. Because yeah, that right. can be like a yeah. whole episode yeah. of like all those kind of things. Um, the one thing that I thought was really cool is that plants produce polyphenols, um, to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And then we eat the plants and the polyphenols protect us. So I just think it's cool how, you know, we're all designed to be part of nature and, and that's actually being proven in science now. Right. Whereas sometimes humans think they're like separate from nature. Right. But we're not. And so with the polyphenols, there's also like anti-nutrients in some plants. Yeah. Right. So like, uh, was it, is it lignans and beans that, that, uh, they're actually kind of toxic to the gut. You have to break down cooking them. So that's kind of, it's kind of in the same category, right? Yeah. That's why, that's why our ancestors always soaked nuts yeah. and beans, beans. And, you know, and, and so those things help make them more digestible. Yeah. And that's another reason why fermented food is because it's more bioavailable. Yes. It's broken down. So you're breaking down some of the structure of, of those things and, and making it more um, available to your body. In fact, I also saw, uh, so natto, natto, have you, yeah. have you had that before? No, I haven't. I'm a little scared to try that. It's kind of sticky, I It's heard. like this slime. <laughs> so it's fermented soybeans. And it's like slimy and sticky. I would try it. I'd try anything. But you can also get that through miso. Like that's right. fermented yeah. soybeans, right? Yeah. Uh, um, tempeh. I love tempeh. Yeah. But fermenting soybeans increases its B vitamins by three to five, three to five times. Like vitamin B12, it had five times more vitamin B12 just because of the creation of the, of the good bacteria that Isn't feed that off cool? of the different nutrients yeah. in the soybeans, which is really cool. And like you said, it's more bioavailable because the good bacteria help break down in the gut. Yes. Because what I found in a lot of fruits and vegetables, uh, especially uncooked, is it's hard for the gut to break a lot of those down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you need some raw, you know, Both, vegetables. For sure. But yeah, but for some people it's not appropriate and they can't start there. Yeah. So there's some people I'm like, just start with like homemade soup with like bone broth. Mm -hmm. um, that's very healing to the gut. Uh, and, you know, start there so that you can get some nutrition into your system. Yeah. If you have inflammation going on in there, you're not going to be able to eat a ton of raw vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. And that can cause, and I don't know if you heard my podcast about the raw versus cooked vegetables the the raw tend to have much more nutrients because they're uh the cooking process can kind of break down some of those nutrients right but like you said if it's not if you're having a problem digesting it and if you're just gassy bloated and you're uncomfortable it's best to start with those soups and the and the cooked vegetables yeah because first of all you don't want to be you don't want to feel like that no yeah. and it's just creating more inflammation in your body so it's not there's yeah. no point to it it's not yeah. helping you. All right. So before we wrap this up, let's talk about a few ways we can start to implement some of those fermented foods that are so good for the gut. And obviously there's even a bunch of non-fermented foods that are not good for the gut, but 
if we really want to get those fermented foods, how do you get them if you hate them? Uh, one of the ways I thought would be a good idea and how I started, because I didn't love sauerkraut at first. I thought it was like gross. Now I really like it is I just toss it in my salad. So we're not heating it up. It's not breaking down any of those good bacteria. You have some a good healthy dressing on there. You barely taste it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives a little bit of acidity to it too. So yeah, I thought a good, that's a good way. Yep. That's a good have, one. Kombucha is always a good um, place to with start. With the kefir, you can put it in salad dressings. Okay. Like make your own ranch. Yeah. Make your own ranch. I think that's like one of the best ways if you really don't like. Have you done that before? Yeah. I, and I think. And kef- it's so easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think kefir tastes like, uh, I think it tastes like liquid Greek yogurt. Yeah. It's just, it's just sour, yep. you know? Yep. And make sure you're not getting, because I've, I've told my clients to get some kefir, but make sure you're not getting chocolate milk kefir. Have you seen those? Yeah. And don't get the ones with a ton of sugar in them. Yeah. I mean, there's different between exactly. added sugars and natural sugars. Right. And uh, as far as kefir, because I see low fat and I see full fat. What do yeah. you, what do you opt for? Um, so I think that neither one is wrong. Um, there's benefits and I, we could do a whole thing on that. I just fat, like dairy fat, is oh, it yeah. good or bad for you? Um, and just some of the pros and cons, but I think it's, it's individualized. You can go either way. Awesome. Cool. Well, that's another episode of health on 10 podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely be doing this again many times, hopefully. Uh, It was a pleasure to have you, Angie. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys, and keep your health on 10.